title of my sermon, thank you, Sylvia. She chose it for me. I time to choose. A single bomb devastates a city, and the world is ushered into a nuclear age. A split atom with such power and force such as we have never seen is unleashed. At a launch pad, rockets soar and payload is, payload is thrust into space. Discoveries dreamed of for centuries are ours as we explore the edge of the universe. Volcanoes, earthquakes, tidal waves, hurricanes, and tornadoes unleash uncontrollable and unstoppable force. And we can only avoid them and pick up the pieces and start all over again. Power, strength, might, we stand in awe at the natural man-made disaster or display. But these forces cannot touch the power of our, of our omnipotent God. Creator of galaxies, atoms, and natural laws, the sovereign Lord rules all there is and ever will be. How silly to live without him. How foolish to run and hide from him. How ridiculous to disobey him. But we do. Since Eden, we have sought independence from his control, as though we are gods and could control our destiny. And he has allowed a rebellion, but soon the day of the Lord will come. Soon probation will close. My sermon was taken from the book of Joel. The purpose of this prophet's message was to warn God's people in Judah to turn from their sins and of his impending judgment if they did not do so. The northern kingdom, as we know, was already destroyed by the Assyrians, and now when Hezekiah was king, he was told that his country will be destroyed, not in his time, but in the time of his family and uh, later generations. People of, of Judah were prosperous and complacent, taking God for granted. They became self-centered, worshipped idols, and committed sins, great sins too. With this lifestyle and without change towards God, judgment was going to take place. Joel 2, 1 to 12 says, bear with me, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and of gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was before, nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours, behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses, they gallop along like cavalry, with a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountain tops, like a crackling fire consuming stubble, like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. 
They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from, the, from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses. Like thieves, they enter through the windows. Before them, the earthquake shakes. The sky trembles. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful, and who can endure it? This locust plague of God's judgment was a foretaste of what was going to happen at the land when they were sent. This is a timeless call for repentance, and if you repent, then we'll follow the promise of his blessings. Just as the people face the tragedy of their crops being destroyed, so will they face tragic judgment if they continue to live in sin. The prayers of a righteous man avail us much. Let us see what Psalm 39.4-12 says. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With his harp, I will expound my riddle. Oh, sorry, 39. I thought there was something there. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my year is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustled about not only in vain. He heaps up wealth not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth. For you are the one who has done this. Remove your scorch from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. You rebuke me and discipline men for their sins. You consume their wealth like, moth, like a moth. Each man is but a handbreadth. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping, for I dwell with you as an alien, a stranger as, it, as all my fathers were. Look away from me that I may rejoice again before I depart and am no more. God's grace is always available when we humbly turn and seek his face. But God's punishment for sin will be overwhelming and unavoidable. We will have no food, water, protection or escape. And that day for settling our accounts is fast approaching. We will have to reckon with God and God only, not the economy, nor nature, 
nor foreign invaders. We cannot ignore God forever. We, we have to pay attention to the message now or face God's face anger at his judgment. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See at the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, you who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. My friend. He's not only standing at the portals. He's standing at your heart's door and knocking. He wants to come in. Please, open your heart door and invite him. It will never be too late. If you walk out there and you get knocked down by a car, you have a heart attack and you die, probation will be closed for you then. There's nothing more you can do to save your life, despite what you're taught by other churches. Please, open your heart's door. Invite Jesus into your heart. God is standing and invites you to come to him for he is ready and willing to restore all who come to him humbly with a broken and a contrite heart. He wants to shower you with his love and to have a loving relationship with you and everyone else. This will only happen when you turn from your sins and turn to God. It is never too late. All he wants for you to do is to come to him. Are you willing to do so? Seek and search your hearts, my friend. God is in control. Justice and restoration are in his hands. And this has been confirmed by the Holy Spirit with regards to God's precious love for all of us. You know, he's nudging at us each and every moment. Do this. It's right. Don't do that. It's wrong. We know it. We have those temptations all the time, to do right or to do wrong. Turn to God and under the directions of the Holy Spirit, you will find him in your soul. You will seek and search with all your heart, and then you will find me, said the Almighty God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 said, No temptation has seized you except what is coming to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will only provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The people had done many wrong things, had sinned against God. But our God, who is a God of mercy, love, and forgiveness, had sent his prophets to warn these stiff-necked people, and he's warning us now. They were told to pass down from generation to generation the thing that affected the whole country and the economy because of their wickedness and idolatry, and how the mercy of the great God, Jehovah, was shown to them through forgiveness and love. 
when they repented. God wanted them to follow the success of their parents and to turn away from the path of the mistakes of their ancestors. The day of the Lord is sure to come, <coughs> excuse me, when people who knew what is right from what is wrong would continue in that reckless path into their own destructions. And remember, when we do wrong things, it does not affect us all. It often involves innocent ones like our wives, our husbands, our children, and nearly near, um, loved ones. Their physical and moral senses become dulled, causing them to be oblivious to their sins. When we are prosperous, it can lull us into a sense, false sense of security, where we forget about God as our own material possession, almost always block a review of the one who gave it all to us in the first place, and yet we forget him. Who wants God when you have money, car, house, healthy family? Who wants God? But a time will come when we'll turn to him. It is only when the rug is pulled from under our feet and we fall on our knees and that we tend to remember, remember God. And we've heard this many times because the words from our mouth are not pleasant. They are very filthy because we tend to point our fingers up to God and blame him for all the disasters and all the bad things that happen in our life. We really don't have time for it. Most people out there do not have time for him. But when disasters strike, the finger is pointed to him, and he's to blame. We tie his hands, and he has, cannot do anything. He can zap us out. But he's a God of love and mercy. He is willing that not one should perish, but that all should come to redemption. And so he's watching, and he's waiting patiently for us to turn our hearts over to him, to give him the love that, 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 that we, he needs, and to worship him. God was calling those people of Israel and now he's calling us to turn to him, to repent and to be forgiven. God will judge everyone for their sins and is merciful to those who turn to him in humility. Then he can offer them eternal salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. It is no different now than in the days gone by. In fact, we will be held more accountable to God at these times than at any other time in world history. For we have at each and every one of our disposal one or more copies of this book, the love letters from Jesus, and we have much more light now than at any other time in world history. We have no excuse. As we walk along life's pathway, there'll be many obstacles in the way, obstacles that we allow to overtake us. When we take our focus off Jesus, the commander of the heavenly host, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, he is almighty God. Remember Peter, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. And Jesus said, come. And he entered onto the water, and as he was walking to the Lord, the storm from the waves and the wind 
caught his attention. He turned his away from the Lord, looked at them, and he started to sink into his watery grave. Lord, help me, he said. And the Lord, so lovingly, stretched his hand out and saved him. Oh, ye of little faith, he said. Before the locusts came, the land was very green and luscious because of God's blessing. But the coming of the locusts will lead the land like a desert. But the first, let me remember, these locusts come like armies. They, they do not jostle one another, just keep going one set after another. So what the first lot failed to devour, the second lot would feed upon. And what they failed to eat, the succeeding lot will finish off, leaving the land like a desert. And this is the picture we have here where God was telling the people, people through the prophet that they are going to have a desert land. It's going to be destroyed by the Babylonians when they came. So is sin when it takes hold of us. It will hold on forever if we do not turn to Jesus and seek his forgiveness for our sins and trespasses. The locust plague was a picture of the Assyrian and Babylonian armies who came and destroyed the land of Israel. Therefore, let your attitude towards God not only um, let, let your attitude toward God be right, not only in your outward action, but from a heart of gratitude and love. Joel 2, 12 to 14 says, if I can find it, right in front of me. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, Rend your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, for he, lend, he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he might turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. Do not ask where, our, where is our God, but rather say, <clears throat> Behold, this is our God, we have waited for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Forgiveness and tenderness and mercy will surely follow when we seek and search him, the Lord, with all our hearts, with all our mind, and with all our soul. Then take him at his word and at his promises. Like David said, Have mercy in me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Blot out all my transgression and wash away my iniquity. For I know my transgressions and my sins are always before me. Before you, Lord, I have sinned. And then he sang, sang, sing with me, please. Create in me a pure heart, O my God. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart, O oh my God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh my Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation 
and grant me a willing spirit to protect me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh my God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. How many times in the past did you wish you could live your past lives over again and do the right thing? Start now and ask God to wipe your slate clean by confessing your sins and let him guide you in your daily lives. On the day of the Lord there will be judgment and if you are forgiven, then there will be great rejoicing. This will only come about if you sincerely repent of your sins and turn to the light of the world. His name is Jesus. When God pardons, he does not promise riches and a life free from problems. He restores his relationship with you and me. He will meet our desperate need by loving us, forgiving us, thereby giving us a purpose in life, a purpose to love him and to love others, to help those who are in need, and to help carry the burden of the overburdened. We then establish the caring Christian family to live with. God does not want to hurt anyone as his character is one of pure love, agape love. All he wants to do is to save and to heal us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have eternal life. Jesus said again, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He who was and still is the commander of heaven, the glory of the Father and the angels, condescended to veil his glory with the garb of humanity so that he could come and dwell among the sinners and show them how to live and to love and to prepare for the throne room above. He came to show love and forgiveness and to forgive sinful men of his wickedness. And oh, what joy must there be in heaven when a sinner repents. What joy would it bring to the Holy One of Heaven when his prodigal sons and daughters return to him, broken and in need of forgiveness? Turn to God and enjoy the blessings from his mouth and from his hands. Take off your sandals from your feet, the Lord said to Moses and Joshua, for you are standing on holy ground. Yet, this same God, who took on the garb of a human, came into this world and bid us follow me. To walk in his footsteps, close by him, at one time he was too holy for a man to stand in his presence with his sandals. But now, we are invited to walk with him. On the same ground he trod, and to live a life of purity and humility. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. Oh, that our faith would increase and give God a chance to work in our lives. Psalm 8, 4 said, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? God gave all he had, his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he loved and valued us so highly. Since God thought so much of you and me, should we not should we not show him how much we value him by putting him first in all we do in our family lives, our work and our spiritual life? 
give of the blessed, give of your best to the master. He deserves it. Remember, he gave all for you, his very own life. Therefore, pray without ceasing. <clears throat> in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Praying unlocks the door of the heart of heaven and releases untold powers of God, whose answers are always right and good and best. Whether prayer changes our situation or not, one thing is certain. Prayer will change you and you and me. Zechariah 1, 2 to 5. The Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Almighty God, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your forefathers to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my word and my decree, which I commanded my servant, the prophet, overtake your forefathers? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as determined us to do. <clears throat> Friends, don't wait for that to happen. Let us come to him every day. Do not wait for calamity to strike us. In Ephesians 4, 17 to 19, please bear with me. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and, sep and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost our sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. We are seeing that every day as we go out there. God commands man to make choices, but only after providing him with sufficient information so that the choices we make will have the potential of affecting our lives for better or for worse. But whatever you do or say, remember that justice will roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing like never stream. Let us not live under a veneer of piety when deep within us are habits and thoughts which are unacceptable to God, but throw up this false appearance and turn to God in humility and brokenheartedness and just wonder about his awesome power, his forgiving nature, and his agape love. Jesus said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but would have light and life eternally. The prodigal son, and when he had spent everything, he began to be in need. God has erected signposts all along life's pathway to help to keep us out of trouble. And this involves reading the Bible, his love letters daily, 
praying without ceasing and seeking his will for our lives. Then and only then we will find a path through the power of Jesus is sure to see us home safely. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. Our life is not based on circumstances. It is through our adversities that we must trust in Jesus. Look at adversities as an, uh, an opportunity from God to grow in your faith and to become a stronger servant of his. When outraged by injustice, cry out to God and not against him. In times of disaster, our mood may be anger, but our trust must remain in God. Forgiveness is better than accumulated wealth. The remission of sin is infinitely to be preferred above all the glitter and glamour of this world's prosperity. Hebrews 10, my last from the Bible, 10, 19 to 25. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. <coughs> Excuse me. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards the love and good deed. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, we see the day approaching. 
very fast. <clears throat> Before angels are holding back, we win the strife, allowing small bits to come into our world. And you can see it every day with all the disasters, everything. And this, I believe, it's a wake-up call, possibly the midnight call. Turn to Jesus and seek him and search for him with all your heart. Beg him for hungering for his word and eat it ravenously daily. <coughs> you will never be filled, but you'll always want more and more. And if you love him, you will you'll hunger for more and more. Eat his flesh, drink his blood, for in it you will find eternal life. Amen.